Let's jump into this. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews. That's not a Christian coffee shop, by the way. Uh, if it is, it shouldn't be. Uh, and uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, let our ushers gift you, get you one. Uh, if you don't own one, you can keep that one. Uh, but we'd love for you to have one. If you just left it at home, whatever, because you're lazy and you need to borrow one, that's cool too. Uh, just get one. Go to Hebrews with us. Uh, don't make them walk the aisle for nothing. Just if you want to feel sorry for them, you know, get a Bible from. Uh, but Hebrews uh, chapter 3 is where we're going to be going today. And so we've started uh, into uh, this series about two, well, I guess now three weeks ago, two weeks ago, uh, called Misconceptions About Following Jesus. And uh, we've covered a couple of things already. Uh, and, and, and what we're trying to do is we're trying to find things that we know that uh, are things that in our culture where we live are things that people say. You know, oftentimes you hear somebody say, you know, well, you know, that's I, I heard this, and it's you know, and it's in the Bible. And you're like, well, where's it in the Bible? Well, I don't know. Are you sure it's in the Bible? Well, I'm pretty sure it's in the Bible. I mean, it sounds like something from the Bible. And I mean, and it's and I mean, really, what we're saying when we say that is like, you know, it, you know, it's a good saying, and it might have been in the Bible, or it might have come from a Lethal Weapon movie. We're not real sure. And I mean, it's either Jesus or Riggs, you know, one one or the other, you know, so I mean, the idea here is that there's all these little things. And and so we tackled a couple of them already in the last couple weeks. Uh, Two weeks ago uh, was um, God won't give you anything you can't handle. All right, you've heard that one. You know, oh, you know, and people say, you know, in, in moments where they're like trying to encourage somebody, not, don't you worry, God won't give you more than you can handle. <laughs> That's not true. God will give you more than you can handle, and it's so that you will depend on Him. Okay? It's so that we are reminded we need Him. He is sovereign, sovereign over all things, He has control over all things. Not us. Uh, there are things that we can't handle. There are things that we need God to intercede on in our lives. So uh, God will give you those things sometimes that we can't handle. And then the, and then the second thing from last week uh, was, um, I didn't write any of this down, so I'm just going off memory here. Uh, God, what was it? There it goes. God helps those who help themselves, who help themselves. God helps those who help themselves. You've heard that one, right? I mean, like your grandmother may have said that to you at some point. And when you looked at her, she'd be like, Jesus said that. And, and, you know, so if grandma told you that and she's still alive, you need to go back and you need to tell grandma, grandma, I'm about to Jesus juke you. Jesus did not say that God helps those who helps themselves, who help themselves. And, and, and the prime point is the gospel is completely the antithesis of that. Like if we could help ourselves, we wouldn't need Jesus. If it's about us being able to help ourselves before God helps us, we're jacked. I mean, because let's just face it, 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 at some point, one day, this coming week, you're going to do terrible things because you're a sinner, and you're not going to help yourself. And, and the, the beautiful thing is, is God isn't going to go, oh, well, bye-bye. You know, we're done here. You know, God loves us. He sent Jesus for us. Uh, and that even, that, even, that even ties into what we're talking about today. So today, today this misconception that a lot of people have, and, and by the way, this misconception is one that is, is widely believed, by the way, by lots of people, I mean lots of people, that live in the same area that we do. In this, in this area, this is a common belief 
by people who love Jesus very much. And so I want you to hear what I'm saying here. I'm not interested in like bashing anybody today because they don't believe exactly something that we believe. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm glad that you know, we can have community with other believers, even if they don't believe exactly something theological that we believe, uh, but they still love Jesus and they believe in the cross, and they believe in the resurrection and all those important things. Uh, but, but there are pieces of this, and this is why we're doing this series. There are pieces of this that are important for us to understand so that we have good theology because it, it really does change how we view who God is. And so, so the one, the one that we're, the one that we're, we're tackling today, is the um, the thought that we we could lose our salvation, that you could lose your salvation, and you'll and you'll hear people say, you know, well, you know, that person, you know, they they were they were a Christian, they were a Christian before, but they're not now. L- listen, there's not anybody, biblically speaking, and we'll 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 see this here in just a minute. So just hang with me. Biblically speaking, there's not anybody who truly believed and was saved by the blood of Jesus, who was a Christian and is now not a Christian. Now, there are people, and we'll see this in Scripture too, now there are people that say that they are Christians and, and maybe even talk themselves into believing that they were Christians, but they were maybe basing that on whatever, legalism. We talk about that all the time here, uh, you know, that they, you know, trying to go to church all the time, trying to earn favor with God and all this stuff, and we can't earn more love with God or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, he's already loved us as much as he's going to love us. He sent his son to die for us, all that stuff. So let's talk about uh, losing my religion, which is what I named the sermon today. So there you go, little REM reference for you. Uh, so yeah, talking about, lo- uh, about uh, losing our salvation. So, you know, one of the things about losing our salvation, we talk about that, you know, and, and I think as we talk this out today, this is going to be one of those topics that you'll find you're going to ask yourself a lot of questions. You're going to ask yourself, oh, and, and, and these are good questions for us to ask. And by the way, I'm not interested in trying to make people feel guilty or to question something that they shouldn't question, but it is good for us to ask ourselves questions, especially when it pertains to whether or not we know the Lord, uh, we know Christ, we've believed in him, and all those things. So, you know, questions like, am I playing games? Am I really a believer? Am I really a Christian? Or am I just playing games? Do I, do I go to church to make myself feel better, to try to earn something? Am I falling into that legalism trap? Um, but... Uh, or do I believe, do you believe, you know, and this is a question for you to ask yourself, do you believe that you could do something bad enough uh, that uh, you would no longer be saved? So these are, these are great questions, and I think for us to hit this, I think we hit it straight on with the passage that I think a lot of people think is telling them that people can lose their salvation. <coughs> Hebrews 3, verse 12. Hebrews 3, verse 12 says this, It says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. God. And we're going to leave that up there because we'll keep, we're going to keep coming back uh, to this passage uh, in Hebrews here over and over all morning. But this passage, if, if, you know, on just kind of first glance, I mean, it looks like, okay, well, you know, first of all, he opens up with saying, take care, brothers. So it's almost kind of like, well, he's talking to believers, right? Well, 
I mean, think about, think about this for a minute. If this was written, and, and let's, you know, I'm, I think we can assume this was written that the church would have this. It's part of God's word. It's part of, part of the Bible. That when this was being written, that it was written in that vein of believing that all kinds of different people are going to read this, hear this even. And so I, you think about it, like here's how I think about it, and this is a little insight from the pastor side of things, the preacher side of things. When I address, when, I, when I'm thinking about addressing a crowd of people as a speaker of any kind, wherever I'm at, I'm thinking about who is in the crowd. And so when, I, when I'm thinking about preaching, when I'm thinking about uh, teaching on a Sunday morning, I'm thinking about three different kinds of people that are in the crowd that I'm, I'm getting the privilege to get to talk to. And, and the, three, the three different kinds of people I'm thinking about are people that are believers and maybe they've been believers for a long time. People that are believers, that have trust in Christ, but they're new believers. So they don't know, maybe they don't know a lot about Scripture, they don't know much about the Bible. I'm, I'm trying to think about that. And then there are people that are not believers. And, and they may not know that they're believers, or they may know that they're not believers. And either way, they're not believers. They haven't trusted in the Lord. They haven't believed in Christ. And, and sometimes that group of people are people that have gone to church for a very long time, and they've trusted in this whole, like, you know, well, I've always just gone to church. I'm a Christian thing. By the way, we do, when we do baptisms here, uh, we, we interview people. We, we sit down with them. We talk to them about, well, tell me about, tell me about when you came to know the Lord. And so they'll share, you know, story. Sometimes it is that, you know, oh, well, I've just, you know, I grew up in church and I've just always gone to church, so I'm a Christian. Well, that, that's not, that's not being a Christian. I mean, it, if, if going to church makes you a Christian, then standing in a garage makes you a car, okay? <clears throat> so this passage is being written, I really believe the way he's pinning this, is he's pinning it to the church, and he's, and he's, and he's being gracious. He's saying, you know, take care, brothers. It's a, it's a warning. This, this verse is a warning. Lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. He's, he's given this warning. Now, some people take this verse to, to believe that they believe, you know, that that's saying that, you know, you could be a Christian and then fall away from God as far as like losing your salvation. Now, we, we, we've all spent moments in our lives as sinners. We're all sinners. Even after we're saved, we're still sinners. We're just saved from our sin, which is an amazing thing. And we have the righteousness of Jesus. But for us to see this verse for what it really is, I think we've got to take the whole context. Now, this is that whole like, you know, if somebody comes to you with a verse and they've got this verse and they're like, well, the Bible says this, you know, well, good. Good, good start. We need to see the context of the whole thing. And if you, look at the, if you look at this passage, it goes on in verse 13. It says this, it says, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So in this passage, we have now, we had a, we had a warning just a minute ago, right? We had this warning, and in the warning, it was, you know, all this, you know, uh, you know, be careful for your unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God, and all this kind of stuff. And then it says, this verse, verse 13, but exhort one another every day. Now, this is talking about something that we talk about all the time. This is talking about not doing it alone. 
We talk all the time. We just, we just shared two new micro churches. Well, not, one of them's not new. But, you know, two, two micro churches that you can be a part of. We've got plenty more or whatever. And, and the whole point is, is that we wouldn't do this alone. Because here, here's what happens. And, and we've all proven this to ourselves. I'm amazed, like, you know, how stupid we can be when it comes to our own sin and realizing how we know a truth like this, that we desperately need people speaking into our lives on a daily basis pushing us toward Jesus, but then we'll we'll try to go it alone, and we know where that gets us. And it gets us right right back into this whole deceitfulness of sin, hardened heart, as we says, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I mean, it's so simple. It's so simple, but so many of us, we miss it, and we're like, well, I don't have time, you know, for other people and all this kind of stuff, and and, man, we're just missing. We're just missing the point of life, if that's our excuse. If that's our excuse, we've missed life. We're missing life, and we're teaching our kids to miss it too. One of the greatest things that our kids can see us do, if you're a parent, is is that our kids see us in community with other people, getting our hands messy in the lives of others, loving others, caring for others through all the crazy and everything else that we would be there to push one another toward Jesus. And if any of us ever gets to the point of going, hey, I really don't need that, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Verse 14, it goes on. And verse 14 starts with a word that is pointing back at the other two verses. It says four. Now, anytime we see four, it's, it's, it's okay, well, that was because of what was before, right? Okay, so four says, For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. For we have come to share in Christ if, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So first of all, the four right here, okay, the four right here is making this argument to see why in verse 12 we would take care, brothers, to uh, not let any of each other fall into evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. And then in verse 14, also why we would exhort one another every day as long as it's called today. And I lo- by the way, I love that it's verse 13, and I missed this a second ago. In verse 13, it says, as long as it's called today. In other words, the writer is saying to us, through God's word, he's saying to us, don't say you'll do that tomorrow. Don't say you'll go be with people in community that will push you toward Jesus tomorrow. He's saying, do it today, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. But he says, for we have come to share in Christ. For we have come to share in Christ. And furthermore, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Now there's two tenses in this verse of two words that I want to point out. For we have come, word have is something that has already happened. It's past tense. It's it's explaining this has already happened, okay? We have come to share in Christ. So the understanding here being that we together have done this together if if this is the present tense the word if creates a present tense here if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end so how do we know if somebody's a christian how 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 do you, how do you know i'm a christian 
You don't. I mean, there, there are things in Scripture that we see, you know, see them by their fruits, you know, all these kinds of things. We'll talk about that in just a minute. You know, there's all, but at the end of the day, the truth is, is that you and I can't really actually know one another's hearts. We, I mean, you know, I, I think, think we probably have a good, you know, bead on, you know, the person we're married to or, you know, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, there's no way for us to truly know. Only God knows. Only God knows my heart. Only God knows your heart. And so for us to spend a ton of our life trying to figure out, well, what about that person that used to come to church and, you know, and then they got into all that mess and they fell away and, you know, what, what's, what's all that about, you know? Well, we're gonna, we'll, we'll see scripture about that here in just a minute. The truth is this. The passage is leading us to understand that we will know that we have shared in Christ with them if, indeed, they, we, hold our original confidence firm to the end. To the end. So it's a perseverance thing. Like that's, that's the way that we're really only going to ever truly know. Like, well, did they, did they, did they make the ride? Did they go all the way? Will they, will they, will we be there with Jesus together one day in eternity? That, that's really the only truthful way that we'll really, that we will really know. So the understanding for us this morning about the idea that we could possibly use, lose our salvation and the importance in us understanding that we, that we don't is, is maybe bigger than what it looks like on the surface. This is, this is why it's so big. It's so big for us because there are promises made throughout Scripture that God has made to us that tell us even more about who He is. And if we choose to ignore those promises and believe something based off of a verse that is not saying what some think it says when it comes to, well, it looks like you, know, it looks like you could fall away. And what about these people that have fallen away? Well, I think Jesus has something to say to that in Matthew 7. Matthew 7 says this. Matthew 7, verse 21. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So this is Jesus helping us to see something. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I struggle with this. I hate the thought of this. I hate the thought that there are people that could come to church they could serve every week. They could play in a band. They could play in a worship band. They could, they could serve in our kids. They could uh, greet at our doors. They could, uh, they could teach something about Jesus. And the truth be that they never actually knew him. That's a possibility. And Jesus says these, that there are going to be people that come and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Jesus, I was at Serve Sunday on October the 1st, and we were serving these people, and we were helping their house, and we were at the nursing home, and we were doing all this stuff. And at the end of the day, we can serve God and have never really believed in him. Belief is a thing, you know, and, and you know, I, I want you to see, because this is the legalism, 
And, and, and let me tell you, there is a ton of people, if you hadn't met them, just go strike up some conversations about Jesus with random people out in the world. And I'll tell you, you you'll find these conversations real fast because I find them on a weekly basis with people. That there are tons and tons and tons of people that truly believe that Christianity is all about like being a do-good and getting it all right and having good church attendance and all of these things. And that has crept in on the local church to where there is a culture, especially in the South, where a lot of people really believe, and they may, not, they may not think they believe it, but a lot of times there are Christians that are functioning like they really believe that, oh, I gotta, I gotta, we just got to make sure that we do all the right things because we want God to love us. And that's a jacked up view of the gospel because God loves us, period. And he's proven that through what he's done through Jesus. So... The truth is, is that there are people that will at times be a part of our church, and they have been in the past maybe, and, and in our fellowship or in our midst or whatever, however you want to say it, maybe people you grew up with or whatever, and you thought, man, I thought they were a Christian, you know, and, and the truth is, is that some of them don't know the Lord. You may ask this question, well, what about this? What about somebody that gets saved? What about somebody who is saved, and then they later deny Jesus? Or what about somebody what about somebody who's saved but they continue in a sinful lifestyle? What what what's that? What's that about? Well, I'm glad you asked. We got some scripture for it. 1 John 3:6. 1 John 3:6 says this. They may not have it up there cuz I didn't give it to them. 1 John 3:6 says no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So if a person appears that they have been saved, that they're coming to church, that, you know, they're calling themselves a Christian or you know, whatever it is, you know, put, put your stuff on, you know, how you want to pretty it up, that at the end of the day, if they continue on in a lifestyle of sin, then the chances are they're not truly saved. They've not truly met the living God. Now, you may, you may, now, you're sitting here right now, and you're going, now, wait just a second, Chris. I got sin in my life. I'm struggling with some sin that I've been struggling with for 20 years. You're telling me that I might not be saved? Well, I mean, you might not be. But let me help you to see there's a difference here. There's a difference here between those of us who have, who have followed the Lord in believing in him and trusting in him to receive the grace of his love, the sacrifice made on the cross, an empty tomb from the resurrection to defeat death on our behalf. For those of us that have believed in God and truly have believed in God, yes, we're still sinners. We're still sinners. We're still struggling with stuff in life. And here's the difference. We're convicted. We're convicted and it eats at us and, it, and, it's, and it's the work of the Holy Spirit in our life eating at us and working us over and not letting up on us. Now, we just, you know, if we're able just to like willy-nilly, well, I'm just keep, I don't even care, you know, I just willy-nilly go on sin. You know, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. I come in here every Sunday morning, I don't, care, I don't care how good or bad of a week that I've had, and I just, I, you know, and I do the same thing when I spend time in God's Word or I spend time praying to God every, every day. Every time I get close to the Lord, whether it's singing songs to Him, being in His Word, God begins to wrench my heart. 
I, I find, I don't know about you guys, I find myself in tears most of the time when I approach the Lord because when I get with perfect Him, I see how imperfect I am and I see all of the stuff in my life. That is conviction, that is true, like that's the, that's the war going on, you know, and you may say, well, I haven't had much of that lately, maybe because you're not spending time with the Lord, okay? And, and see, so if we're spending time with the Lord, we won't want to go on sinning. You might say, well, I've got a sin issue in my life and it's not getting any better. I need to go home and try harder at not sinning in this sin. No, no, no. You need to spend more time with Jesus is what you need. Because you spend more time with Jesus, he's going to help eradicate that out of your life. And here's the truth, folks. He's already freed you from it. You are no longer a slave to it. Satan wants you to believe otherwise, but if you are a true believer, you've trusted in Christ to be your Savior, I'm here to tell you today that you are free from all of the sin. All of it. And he wants you to believe otherwise, and obviously we still struggle with certain things, but that conviction is a good thing. We want that conviction in our life. We want God to continue to convict of us. Another passage, 1 John 2. 1 John 2, 19. It says this. It says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not all, that they all are not of us. Again, this is hard for me. I'm, I'm, I'm the whatever, you know, personality thing. Like, you know, everybody, let's everybody, everybody make the ride. Everybody come on. I want everybody to, you know, do. And, and the truth is, is along the way, you find people that they don't make the ride. And we, and, and this isn't necessarily for everybody, but. Uh, it is for everybody that walks away, if they can walk away from the faith completely, I'm not talking about they go to another church or something like that, but they walk away from the faith completely, chances are they were not a believer. They were not of us. And I hate, I hate that. I hate that. But I, here's the truth. You and I, we can't save people. We can't do it. And at some point along the way, the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. If you're a believer here today, if you're a true believer here today, some point along the way, the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart and convicted you, and you saw the sin in your life, and you realized you needed a Savior. And at that point, you trusted in Jesus, you believed in Him. And, and you know, I think that that's sometimes the hardest part for so many people. And maybe, maybe you're sitting here today, and, and, and you can say, that's the hardest part for me. Chris, I've heard that talked about. I've, I, you know, I, all you got to do is believe. That's, that's all we can do on our end. All we can do is believe. We can't because we can't earn it. And we come from a society where you earn things. And it's called grace for reason. Grace is, is, is free and undeserved. We don't deserve it. It's not because we were good enough. It's not because we went to church enough. Not because we were born into the right family. It's because God loves us. And he wants, us to, he wants to give us something that brings us close to him. To put us in a relationship with him. To save us from our sin. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing for us today.
Now it's going to start getting good. John 10, Gospel of John. John 10 says this in verse 27. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. What was that? No one will snatch them out of my hand. They will never perish, and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. My Father, verse 29, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, boom, and, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Tadao. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Like, we've, we've got all these promises of God, folks. Like, we've got all these promises of God. And, and, and then this like, amazing thing of what he's done through sending Jesus for us. And then on top of that, the icing on the cake is he's like, <clears throat> it's done. If you've believed in me, it's done. If you've believed in me, nobody can take it away. Again, belief. Belief is at the core of this. The book of Romans talks about this. This is a heart issue. It's not a going to church enough issue, not doing enough right things issue. You say, Chris, you're saying that over and over. I'm saying it over and over because I see people all the time just continually like beating their heads against the wall. Like it just, it's like, don't live that, that life. Don't, don't, don't try to make your Christianity about that. Love Jesus, pursue him, and see what happens when he changes your heart and he changes your life. All of those things will begin to happen. It's this amazing gospel transformation thing. I went, I went to college with this guy named Dave. <laughs> Dave. And we were in the religion department at Belmont, which don't go there uh, if that's where you want to go learn theology, by the way. I'm just telling you, being honest. Uh, but anyway, I, me and Dave, we got to be pretty good friends. And this guy, Dave, um, was uh, a real good dude, loved Jesus. But he also, he also was infatuated. I mean, like he, I think he watched, um, oh, I'm trying to, I can see the people on the show. I'm trying to remember the name of the show. Um, uh, the about the aliens. What was the the X Files? I think he watched the X Files every hour that he could sit in front of a TV. He was infatuated with aliens. Now he loved Jesus. Don't get me wrong. He loved Jesus, but he also loved aliens. He would. I'd, we'd come in. There'd be like a marker board on the wall, and we'd write notes to each other and just be stupid and silly and stuff. And and every single day you'd come in, and there would be. He would have drawn up this crazy looking like alien head, and down underneath it, he'd just write believe. And I'd walk, I'd walk in and I'd see that junk and, and I'd, just, I'd just start laughing and he'd be like, dude, you need to believe. I was like, I do believe in Jesus. You need to get a life and quit watching the X-Files, you know? And, uh, and we had fun with it, you know, or whatever. But I mean, you know, there's this thing about believing, like we believe in things sometimes. And I see, I mean, a great example is I see football fans all the time, like starting a new season and like, I believe my team's going all the way this year. And I'm going, in, I'm going inside. I'm like, you're lying right now. You don't really believe that. 
Vandy. I'm, I'm, I'm just <laughs> and I love my Vandy friends, you know, I'm just saying. But I mean, like, you say, I think we're going all the way. So I'm like, you don't really believe that. I mean, you know, you got to, you know. It just is what it is. See, like, we say we believe things, and the truth is our heart hasn't changed. We don't really believe it if our heart hasn't changed over it. The, the most important question I'll ever ask you in my life is, have you truly believed in what God has done through the work of Jesus Christ? Have you truly believed? Not, have you come to church enough? Have you given money? Have you, whatever with all that. Have you truly believed? Has God changed you? Have you trusted in Him and what the gospel says? That your sin and my sin deserve death and that Jesus took that death on the cross on our behalf. Romans 8. Romans 8.31. Romans 8.31 says this. It says, what then shall we say to these things? By the way, this gets real good. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, we love that one. Like, we love, oh, that's right, you know, we've got singing, some, got some songs on the radio we're singing about that. You know, oh, yeah, nobody's coming against me. God's for me. Come on, me and you, Jesus, here we go. It's better than that. Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised? Who is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us? Praise God. Who shall who, verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He asks the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he, then he we got some, we got some, we're going to play the game. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, you didn't see that one coming, or danger or sword as it is written for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 38, here it comes. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, this is what's called covering the bases, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Nothing, nothing can separate us from Jesus. Nothing can separate us from our love, from, from his love for us. Not even our stupid selves. We can't even do it. Once we're his, we are his. This is amazing. This is amazing. Our response to this should just simply be, thank you, God. Thank you, God. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving me despite who I am. Thank you for loving me no matter what. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for taking me even when you knew the sin that I would commit against you. Thank you for loving me even through my unbelief. Thank you for taking me on as a member of the family even though I'm bringing all this baggage with me. Thank you, God. So if you're here this morning and you're sitting here and you're thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm questioning right now. I, I don't know if I'm a believer or not. I've, I'm not sure. Well, let me, let me say one thing to be perfectly clear. If God is stirring in your heart today, I'm not talking about indigestion or Chris talked you into, you know, feeling guilty or whatever. I'm talking about is if God is stirring in your heart this morning and, he, and, and, and you're wondering that, listen, you don't have to leave here today without knowing, without a 100% shadow of a doubt that you are his. Because he's loved you and the promise is as good for you as it is for anybody. And the question is, have you, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe in the one? Jesus is enough. How will we know? You know, maybe you're struggling. I, you know, I think I do. How, how do I know? Well, we talked about that conviction piece a minute ago. You still experience conviction. That's a good sign if you, if you are. Um, is God moving in your heart? Is he creating desires in your heart for you to do things that are kingdom-minded? Because that's a, that's a great example of it. Because again, you know, if, if God's working in your heart, then he's moving you and pushing you and, and showing you, hey, you... you you, go, let me send you, do this, you know? And, and you may say, well, Chris, I know God's not stirring in my heart right now. Well, let me, let me just encourage you in this. He will if you'll seek him. And more than likely, if he's not, it's because you haven't been. And that's, again, don't try to legalize it, you know, and try to make it another thing on the to-do list. But the truth is, is, is we have habits in our life, and if we have unhabited ourselves out of spending any time with Jesus, then we're probably there. And it says in Scripture, by the fruit, by their fruit, you will recognize them. What's the fruit of your life? What's your life producing right now? Is it, is it kingdom stuff? Is it kingdom of God stuff? Kingdom of you stuff? Kingdom of your job stuff? What is it? What kingdom is it? That's just an easy way, I think, to just kind of look at it. I want to throw this in here because I feel like it's, it's necessary to address it just because of, of the nature of it. You hear people, and I saw this for years in youth ministry, you hear people say things like, you know, I, I, I recommitted my life. I rededicated my life. Now, let, let, me, let me help us. And you never hear us talk about that, by the way, around here. And there's a reason why that is. The reason why that is is because rededicating our lives is kind of like, you know, this idea that I want to rededicate my life is this idea that we lost something that we can't lose. God's, and there's nothing, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with like, if you come to a point in your life where you realize, man, I'm straight away, I need to get back on track with the Lord. I mean, that's, that's cool, that's awesome. Just we're always very careful with the wording because we don't, we don't want people to buy in to the thought that they might be able to lose their salvation when they can't because we have a God who's promised us that nothing can separate us from him. 
And you, and you see how important that piece of our theology is as to why it's so important for us to understand the truth about this through his word. Nothing separates us from the love of God. And today, if you are separated from the love of God because you've never believed in him, let me tell you what, you today can renounce all of the sin in your life, past, present, future, and embrace Christ. He loves you. He loves you and he took the death that we deserve that in his death we might have life. We'd love to talk with you about that today. And, and, and again, our response to this, it, I mean, it should be like overflowing joy. Like the response of like realizing that nothing can separate us from God, that he's promised that he's going to keep our souls, you know, from the time that we believe in him and trust in him is this amazing thing. What an appropriate moment for us to spend time taking communion together, to remember the sacrifice that God has made through his son Jesus. And that's what we will do. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your love and for putting up with us when we're still knuckleheads. God, I pray for anybody that's listening to this right now that hasn't trusted in you to believe that you are who you say you are and you've done what you've said you've done. God, I pray that they today would believe. God, help them to believe. God, help them to see the need the need to overcome their sin, their need for a Savior. Well, we love you and we thank you for your son, Jesus. Use us for your glory. We ask all this in your name. Amen.